John here, and we've got a new sponsor, DistroKid. Now that you've finished your latest Pirate Math SpongeCore Twitch trek, it's time to get it out there so everyone can hear it. DistroKid helps musicians get their music on all the major streaming platforms, and artists keep 100% of their royalties. And because you're a high-gain listener, you get 30% off. Just go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash high-gain. That's distrokid.com slash VIP slash high-gain. And now DistroKid has an app. The DistroKid app is available for iOS and Android. You can download it at distrokid.com slash app or in the app and play stores. Hey, we'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor, Isotope, makers of software and plugins for audio repair, mixing, and mastering. We use Isotope products here at the High Gain. It's an important part of how we've been able to bottle pure podcast gold week after week. And guess what? Isotope offers one free month of Music Production Suite Pro, which has all the tools you need to mix, master, and repair audio. Also, you can get 10% off all other software using the promo code FRET10. That's F-R-E-T-1-0. All of this is at isotope.com, I-Z-O-T-O-P-E.com. Hey, it's me, Ed Peterson. Oh, that's awesome, because uh, it's me, John Kiltica. Someone told me the other day, and I've heard this a few times, that I have, like, Jeff Goldblum cadency vibes. And I've heard that from, like, several people, and I don't get it exactly. I don't know if I get that. Yeah. Maybe? You know, I think it's the disjointed, like, maybe I pause weird or something. You do pause weird. Weird pause. Old, weird, pausey head. Yeah. It's uh, the High Gain Podcast. It is. And we're here in West Seattle, Washington. We talk about Jeff Goldblum. Like we do. He's in the fly. Old Jeff. Yeah. I'm doing everything I can do to not talk about the abomination that I see in front of me. Sounds like you are pre-denying this guitar. I'm pre-donging it. That thing's wild. I saw you playing with the volume and the tone controls, and they did not seem to be doing volume and tony things. That's true. They don't. Sunburst? Sure. Trapezoidal inlays? Yes. This is, in fact, the Les Paul Signature. Mm Mm-hmm. The name of the guitar is The Signature. Yeah. What are those pickups? Those pickups are not humbuckers, are they? These are Les Paul-designed... Uh-huh. Low impedance pickups. Ooh. Beverages. Yes, Ed, beverages. What are you drinking? I have like an eighth of a cup of coffee in a crow mug because we were sitting here talking, not recording, and Uh I drank all this coffee, so it's like almost totally gone. 
that's a bummer. Well, it's a good thing you've got an auxiliary beverage. I've got a Waterloo lemon lime naturally flavored sparkling water. I think Waterloo is maybe like Jeff Bezos water. You get them in um, Whole Foods. Whole Foods. Bezos water. You see pictures of that dude at all the music festivals and shit with his shirt buttoned down to his navel and he's like kind of old bald jack guy hanging out with yeah. women half his age. Don't go to festivals and flaunt your grossness. Leave your grossness at home where it belongs. That's where I keep all my grossness. I know what you're saying. Okay. What do you got? I've got a brisk iced tea. Mm. Oh. Mm. Lipton and Brisk. Oh. oh, it's a Lipton tea. Are Unilever brands. Is that what it says? Isn't Unilever mm. soap? Drinking big tea. Soap water. It's good, though. I imagine you look at Lipton, and they have probably committed atrocities in the name of big tea, kind of like Dole in the name of pineapples and bananas. Yeah, I bet Lipton didn't do the subcontinent any favors. Sort of like this Waterloo sparkling gig economy is what i'm drinking <laughs> you know what i'm saying we gotta talk about this guitar don't we yeah so this has two low impedance humbuckers okay it has a master volume and a master tone Mm-hmm. and then the other two knobs Aren't really knobs, but selectors. Mm. One of them is in and out of phase. Oh, okay. I love that. For the pickups to be out of phase with each other, yep. they need to both be on. Right. So this is in phase. Yep. Out of phase. So low impedance, Ed. Yeah. This is a thing you use when you want the signal to be clean, mm -hmm. less prone to distortion, mm -hmm. and you want it to be quiet. I do not want my signal to be any of those things. Clean, no distortion, quiet, pass on all three of those. That's how we're talking right now. These XLR cables are low impedance cables. They're balanced cables. XLR cables. Our microphone cables. Oh, I'm talking guitars here. I'm using it as the example. Sure. Because we're going into a recording console. We want the signal, by the time it gets there, to remain quiet and clean. Oh, I get it. That's what they were thinking with these pickups. However, yeah. I am not playing the low impedance side of the equation. Oh. Because I'm not always going into a recording console. Sometimes yep. I'm just going into a regular old amp. Yep. So this jack is high impedance. Mm -hmm. If I wanted to go straight on in, I mm -hmm. would use the low impedance jack that is also on here. You picked the guitar up, and my first question was, wait, why are there two input jacks? And yes. you said, hold your horses, Ed. Yeah. So if I wanted to do that, I would need a balanced cable. TRS. Yeah, TRS. While we're at it, uh -huh. the resistance in ohms can be set by a switch here that is 50 ohms, 200 ohms, and 500 ohms. What that gets you, in more practical terms, mm -hmm. different tones. So 50. In the middle, both pickups. Yeah. Out of phase? No. 
Regular old regular. Okay. Now let's go to 200. Yep. Let's go to 500. Just feels like it's cutting stuff out. It thins out. Yeah. So the interesting part about that to me, mm -hmm. if I use that resistance to get as thin a sound as I want, and then maybe I put the treble all the way up, Sure. And then maybe I go out of phase? Yeah. Very thin. I don't know what year, what era this thing is. I have to guess... Did it come after or before the Les Paul recording? I'm guessing this came after the recording. It did. The dude was a player and a recorder. And a tinkerer. Like, yeah. So I'm sure the Les Paul recording, that version of the Les Paul guitar, did shit he needed for the studio when he's recording on two inch tape and everything's expensive and it's got to sound pristine and I get it. And this is probably the same shit. Oh, I need very specific uses. That is exactly right. Ed. Oh, you this guy, it. this guy. So the question becomes, that's cool for less, but why? Mm -hmm. We know that the company Norlin bought Gibson in 1969. Best decision Gibson ever made. Les had been out of the picture for a while. Mm -hmm. So the first thing Norlin says is, let's see if we can get Les back in here to work with us again. Great. And Les wasn't too keen on it. What's up? He wasn't interested. But Les says, well, what if I can design the guitars to do what I want them to do? He's out there playing the field. Maybe he needs a little scratch. Some wham, some walking around money. Little purse, little sack. Bag, he's got to get that bag. Yeah, he's got to get that bag. Okay. What's he up to these days? Less? Oh, he's probably doing all kinds. Mm. Not much. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sure, Les, if you'll come back, we'll let you design this shit. Whatever you want to put on it, we'll let you do that. Uh, and so he uh, did. And the first thing they did uh, was the Les Paul personal. Oh, that recording, Les Paul, you're talking about, yeah. imagine it with fewer features, but it looked very similar. With that was the Les Paul Professional. So you take that okay. and add a couple more things to it. Sure. That was 1969, right off the bat. As soon as it got Les back into the fold. Yeah, we're going to start adding knobs and switches. By 1971, they took both of those, the personal and the professional. Yeah. Let's discontinue those, and we'll put all that shit into one guitar. We'll call that the recording. I have kind of a soft spot for that guitar. I think it's just weird enough. Guy like me, I don't want Les Pauls. I want weirdo Les Pauls. The Paul, the recording. <laughs> Give me a Norland Sonics with that ugly-ass silver burst thing. Terrible. It's the perfect Les Paul. The Les Paul recording that combined all this stuff even had a 11 setting tone knob. Right. 11 different kinds of tone out of it. Terrible. They called it the decade knob. Yeah, perfect. By 1973, they're like, hey, Les, you want to go semi-hollow body? We haven't done that yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. We'll call it the Les Paul signature. And they built this thing. Man. If you draw a line right down the middle, 
the treble side looks like a Les Paul cutaway, mm-hmm. and the other side looks kind of like a 335 cutaway of a kind. But not. The 335 kind of comes out to like a more bulbous horn on the top, where this is a little uh-huh. more stratty almost. I can't even tell if it's offset or it looks off. Yeah, the upper horn is definitely further out than the lower one. I don't know if it's a trick of my eyes that makes me think it's offset. I feel like it is an offset, but it's just barely. This signature was only made from 1973 to 1979. It was made for six years? Yeah. Man. And by the time they were wrapping it up... Mm Mm-hmm. The Fender Starcaster comes out. Yeah. Makes you wonder if Fender was like, oh, I wonder if we need to do something like that. And then Gibson's like, guess what? They don't sell. Yeah. This thing is just weird. Les Paul's? Fine. 335's? Great. Oh, let's chocolate and peanut butter them. Yeah. No. It's a mistake, John. John, is it a mistake? I think it's a mistake. A little bit. I mean, I get it. Les, he needs to do that stuff. There's no indication that he ever played one of these. (laughs) Whereas the recording one that you like, he played that up until the end. He really liked that one. All of these four guitars that we've mentioned now, the personal, the professional, the recording, and the signature, featured the low impedance pickups because, after all, we'll build whatever you want, Les. You want low impedance pickups? Whatever, dude. Okay, cool. You're the boss. They've all got that. I like the bridge on it. Tunematic bridge. But it's the big, like, harmonica style. Yeah. That harmonica style tunematic bridge, it's big and industrial. That's maybe the only thing about this guitar that I do like, and it looks out of place on the guitar. The vast majority of these that they made yeah. were gold tops. Oh, I bet I would like this way more in a gold top. I bet I might like it a lot. Nobody seems to know the exact numbers. Okay. But the total amount of these made Mm -hmm. is around 1,400, of which it is said only about 50 were sunburst. Oh, and there were no weirdy one-off color kind of things that we no, know of. It's gold just top two. or sunburst, yeah. Yeah. I bet this is a handsome guitar in a gold top. It doesn't look as busy. Yeah. Has anyone played this thing? Oh, no. Anyone of note? No. Did Jimi Hendrix play this? No. What about Les Paul? No, not even Les Paul. You know, we've often talked about Norlin yeah. era guitars. I love them. But in the bigger picture, when we talk about the race to the bottom in the 70s, what's the story there? All of the stuff Norland did that's like terrible for Gibson is awesome. What do you know about Evermont Hope Norton? Oh, man. Evermont Hope Norton. Yeah. It's still pretty raw. We lost him in 1960. Oh, no. Yeah. He founded the Ecuadorian company. Oh, man. This is the Nor side yeah. of the Norland. Yeah, Evermont, old Evermont. Yeah. Maybe we just call him Monty. Monty, yes. He was a stockbroker and a railroad tycoon from Virginia, made a lot of money on Wall Street. Oh. And then ended up going down to Ecuador, where he built the National Railroad. Weird. Yeah, the Ecuadorian Railroad. 
Sure. That's Monty. Okay. While he was down there, hey, I'll buy a brewery. Yeah. Maybe I'll invest in some of these cement factories. He's a capitalist. Yeah, down there. Okay. In Guayaquil and Quito, which is the capital of Ecuador. Yeah. He's born in 1873. Just before the turn of the century, dude goes to Ecuador to make some money or exert influence. You go to a country like that because you feel like you can exploit the country. I've got this amount of money, and in New York City, I'm the bottom of the big fish. Or I can go to Ecuador with the same amount of money and just have whatever I want and do whatever I want. Or maybe he had a love of the people in the country and he had nothing but good intentions and I'm terrible. Eventually, his grandson, Hope Norton Stevens, Uh, we lost him in 95. Oh, okay. Hope graduates from the Harvard Business School in 1958. Because his grandfather took over a small South American country and industrialized the shit out of it. Yeah. Then he goes down to join Grandpa. After Harvard. After Harvard, immediately joins the board of the Ecuadorian Corporation. Yep. And then, oh, look, he's a VP. And then, oh, look, he's the executive VP. And then the Cuban Revolution happens in 1959. Okay. At that point, Grandpa's like, man, is this going to destabilize all of Latin America? Oh, no, my money. I need to invest in... Not Latin America. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, at this point, they're taking the casinos from the fucking mob. Taking them back. Get fucked, Yankee. Grandpa's starting to think, should we buy some stuff that's not in Latin America? Sure. Yeah, I think we should probably do that. Then he died. Oh, no. At that point, Hope Norton Stevens, grandson. Hope is a great name. Yeah. Hope takes over. It's Hope's company now. Okay. But he remembers what Grandpa said. Get the hell out of Latin America. Jay's fucking got his machete running through, taking care of business. Yeah. So Hope gets busy. In 1963... He buys a company out of Pennsylvania, the P.R. Hoffman Company. He buys the Knapp Company of Mississippi. He buys the Superior Electronic Company of New Jersey. And he buys Howard Aiken Industries directly from Howard Aiken himself. You might know Howard Aiken. Why do I know that name? Basically, the inventor of the first computer. Okay. It was called the Harvard One. He's one of those pioneers. Okay. And then in 1969, in a bid to further expand, Mm -hmm. they buy Chicago Music Instrument Company. At the time, 1969, they were the largest manufacturer of music instruments in the U.S. At this point, does Chicago Music own Gibson? Yes. They do, right? They do. Okay. They also own Lowry Organs. Yep. Moog Synthesizers. Okay. The founder of the Chicago Musical Instrument Company was Maurice Berlin. Maury. Yeah, Maury. Mm-hmm. And there's the other half of your portmanteau. Norton, Berlin, and there's the Norlin Company. Nowhere to go but up, I'm thinking. <laughs> A guy with his roots in the Ecuadorian Railroad. <laughs> Takes over a guitar company, clearly because he has a passion for guitars. I missed the part where you said he went to music school and was a super proficient player and loved guitars. I missed that part. Yeah, I must have left that part out. Yeah. Buying all these companies like they did Mm -hmm. in the U.S. did increase the value of the company. 
the company was worth like $52 million. By the end of 1979, they were worth like 238. Five-fold the revenue of the company. Not bad, but it was a rocky road that basically ends in disaster. I love it. Terror and tears and stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, in the 70s, mid-70s recession style, consumerism, especially in music goods, it's not taking off. Okay. So what do they do? They start selling shit to pay off debt. They sold the cement business in Ecuador. The synergy of Ecuadorian concrete and fine crafted musical instruments. How do you not put those two together? Because the skills are so transferable. Match made in heaven. Yeah. So they sell it off like a bunch of fucking dummies. (laughs) Right? Yeah. They're just trying to stem the bleeding during a recession. Mm -hmm. Before that recession, the Mm -hmm. music business, the Gibson stuff and the Moog and the pianos Mm -hmm. had been like 60% of their business. They were doing quite well. Okay. That went down to like 15%. Oh. By like 1975. Wow. That's terrible. Yeah. Unless the other businesses shot up so much that they overtook the guitar business. They got lucky that way. Okay. The brewery. (laughs) The Ecuadorian brewery. Continued to make money. Well, sure. During a recession, what do you want to be invested in? Vices, right? People are going to continue to need to get fucked up. So recession hits. Booze is recession proof. The brewery becomes like 70% of the business. But (laughs) the numbers are so fucked up. People start sniffing around Norlin. Oh, sure. Something's not right at that company. Maybe we do a hostile takeover. They own fucking Gibson, and their biggest thing is the bar industry. Yeah. What? What do we do to look less appealing to these sharks out there? Load it up with debt? Quick, sell the brewery. Oh. (laughs) Wait. It was the only profitable business in the whole damn company. And they sold it. I like everything about these cats. They're making all the right decisions. Meanwhile, they're pumping money into Les Paul. And they sell all the tech stuff, like the Howard Aiken computer guy stuff. Sure. Tech's not going anywhere. They sell it all off. Dead end. This is 82. Okay, maybe we held off the sharks. Mm -hmm. We don't seem very attractive for a hostile takeover now. Yep. But we have a little problem. We need money. So they buy a company called Tycor Printing. You know, people need stuff printed. Sure. Which raises eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Hey, they just bought a company. Maybe they're not that hard off after all. Mm. The Rooney Pace Group. Let's just call them Scumbag Inc. Ooh, I like these guys. Yeah, they're a partnership. One guy's okay. name is Rooney. The other guy's Pace. Okay. They start going super hostile. Oh. At one point, they bought 24% of Norlin in one day. It's a publicly traded company. That is not illegal. You're right. When Norlin complains, the court says, what do you want us to do? It's allowed. Yeah. So then Norlin was like, let's dilute the bejesus out of the stock. (laughs) They come up with an employee stock option program. Okay. One million shares. Sure. That gets them in trouble. With the feds. Sure. Yeah. At which point the stock exchange delists Norlin. That's bad. Yeah. They said the attempt to dilute the stock in this way was, quote, blatant and in, quote, bad faith. At that point, Norlin is made to surrender the company. Oh, wow. This is 1984. So Pace, the Rooney Pace guys, announced the end of the musical instrument business. They're shit canning it. (laughs) 
they want to focus on that printing company that Norton bought before it went south. Uh-huh. Which is ironic because they ended up selling the printing business to pay down their own debt. The Rooney Boys. Yeah. Man, what year did the movie Wall Street come out? It is 100% that Gordon Gecko greed is good bullshit. Carve the company up. Fuck the employees. Awful. Time for a palate cleanser. Who wants to grab coffee? Hotwire Coffee is locally owned and community operated and has called West Seattle home since 2002. They serve seven roasters coffee beans, B. Fuller's mortar and pestle teas, even burritos from El Bujo. Bring a dog and relax on the covered patio. It doesn't even have to be your dog. It could be a borrowed dog. Use the code HIGAIN and get 20% off any sized espresso beverage. Back to the show. Okay, Ed. Yeah? When this came out, this Um, Les Paul signature, in 1973, in New Orleans, what are you going to pay for this fancy pants designed by Les Paul, even though he never played one? Guitar, 1973. $932. $595. Oh, God damn. Here's the rub. Okay. It's going to cost you another $90 for the case. That $90 case? Yeah. That's $622 in today dollars. I was thinking it's a $4,000 guitar. Yeah, $4,100 in today dollars. Just the guitar. Yeah. Yep. So they didn't sell well. They were super expensive. Man, I I hope Les Paul just made that bag. Because I'd rather those dudes are giving Les Paul a bunch of money to go out and party and record and just be a cool dude than, you know, (laughs) overthrowing another Latin American country. The money's better spent by Les Paul. I know what you're saying. Okay. So Rooney Pace. Those guys. Their own auditor. Mm Mm-hmm. In one of his final reports, said that, quote, the company's ability to continue as a going concern cannot be determined with certainty. Yeah. So they sold it. And the rest is history. They sold it to Henry. Yep. 1986. Yeah. How much did they sell it to Henry for? I feel like you said earlier the company was valued at like 230. 238 in 1979. So I want to be generous and throw out that he paid like $80 million. And I bet that's way high. I bet he paid like 30. He paid five. That's wild. I got a postscript for you. Okay. Our guys, Rooney and Pace. Yeah. Pace ends up getting charged with security law violations. Okay, Pace is security fraud. Yeah, and Rooney is tax fraud. Oh, okay. In the case of Rooney, uh-huh. jail. Okay. After it was all said and done, Forbes magazine wrote a story detailing the Norland saga. The name of the article was Incompetency, Inc. That's a little different than the smartest guy in the room. You gotta try it. Try and decide. It's kind of a Les Paul ES-335 hollow body thing, Ed. Mm-hmm. It was one of four models made specifically for Les Paul. Mm-hmm. The Les Paul Signature, buy or deny. I'm not into Sunburst Les Pauls, and this is like the terrible version of that. 
maybe the gold top would do something for me. But then knowing the vintage market, I bet this thing is an obscene amount of money for what you're buying. And like, God damn, no thank you. So it sounds like you're a buy. No. No. I am a deny also. Yeah. I mean, if it's between this and like the close neighbor, the Starcaster, I'll take a Starcaster. I would take a Starcaster over this and I don't like the Starcaster. Someone might vibe with this thing. It is completely usable, but not by me. Yeah. I guess in as much as it comes down to that preference. Yeah, yeah no thanks. We gotta let the people decide. Oh yeah, the people love this. The thing. people will have their say. Right. But I'll take lots of pictures. Sure. Of all this nuttiness. Yeah. I'll get some detail shots, maybe. Ooh. The devil's in them. Yeah. We'll put them up on the Instagrams. Mm -hmm. And we remain with our good friends over there at the Realness Media Network, the music-related podcasts. Cool. Hey, you did a great job today, John. So did you, Ed. Thank you. Maybe we should do this again next week. Okay. Cool. Bye. Oh, bye. <laughs>